Welcome to the Kingdom Sports Podcast, where we ask the question, which kingdom will you choose, man's kingdom or God's kingdom? And now, here are your hosts, Chad Bonham and Coach Ron Brown. Welcome back to another edition of the Kingdom Sports Podcast. My name is Chad Bonham. I'm your co-host, along with Coach Ron Brown. Coach, how you doing tonight? Chad, doing good. Excited about our guest today. That's right. We have a great guest tonight and a very uh, interesting topic that we're going to get to a little bit later. But first, I want to introduce you to Scotty Kessler. Scotty, how you doing? I'm doing very well, thanks. Well, Scott, you have an interesting background. Obviously, uh, uh, those that don't know you may not know that you're a former football coach. And now you're a professor at Faith Seminary. That's an interesting combination. Well, I guess teachers are coaches, and so it kind of all springboarded together. Well, tell me about how that worked out. You know, obviously you were in uh, coaching first, but talk about your background and, and uh, you know, how you got into coaching and then how that led to uh, your, current, your current profession as a professor. You bet. Well, I had played college football, and uh, as many guys, I, if I couldn't keep playing, then I wanted to coach. So I uh, finished a college career and had a little chance uh, in a tryout in the NFL with the Denver Broncos. It did not happen, and I actually uh, got a job. My first job out of college was with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Did it for a short season, and then pretty much got into coaching and did that uh, full-time for uh, 25 years. And at the end of that, started doing some consulting of college football programs and coaches on the philosophy that you had alluded to, uh, we're going to address later, uh, called competing biblically. And really, my life from, uh, from, from the end of that coaching tenure took a twist because I was single until I was 48. And uh, long story short, was introduced to a, a young widow. And she had two young boys at the time, and I got married. So my vagabond, single-life college coaching career took a, took a turn because now I was responsible for four instead of one. And so I did not think at that time that staying in the uh, consumptive uh, race of college football was going to be the best bet to start off with a blended family with the uh, uniquenesses of it. And so I got out of coaching as a vocation. I continued to work as a consultant as able as I did a number of different jobs from the, in the last 12 years uh, since I've been married. And uh, one of those jobs was uh, a pastor, associate pastor at a, at a large church that had a number of pastoral roles. So my role at that time was to uh, kind of lead uh, intercessory prayer and discipleship on behalf of the church. And out of that, uh, it was a springboard to some relationships, one of which was a, with a vice president at a, a, a university and seminary here in Tacoma. And we had a sense to transition from my pastoral role to a professor role where uh, they would then begin at this uh, university seminary, a school of discipleship, which I now direct and am uh, a teacher at. You know, uh, uh, Scotty, uh, you have a very interesting background. You played for one of the great coaches in the history of college football, 
uh, here in America uh, at Pacific Lutheran Frosty Restoring, and and uh, I know you became an assistant coach after that, and you have an interesting coaching tree. But what was it like playing for Frosty? What kind of a coach was he? What did he instill in you and influence in your life? Yes, that's a loaded question. Um, I actually had met players of his and his sons at FCA uh, conferences over the previous years while I was playing college football at another school. So I was playing at a place called the University of Pacific in Stockton, California. And prior to that, had been coaching high school football. So a little bit unique twist. My first three years of college, I was coaching high school football, and I did not start playing college football until my fourth year in college. And I played that one year at the University of Pacific and then transferred and played two additional years. Uh, Never used up my eligibility, but I ran out of school. I used my last two years playing for a gentleman named Frosty Western that Ron alluded to. And Ron is, uh, or excuse me, uh, Frosty was um, just incredibly unique as a personality and a visionary, uh, really genius concept thinker about how to preach, how to approach sport. And uh, I had, again, become acquainted with him through his players and sons and then met him at one of the conferences that he came down with his family. And uh, we talked a little bit and, you know, actually talked about it. Something never happened if, if, if I was uh, unhappy for any reason. He certainly didn't try to recruit me. He just said, hey, you know, we're here. Something doesn't work out well. Something didn't work out, and I ended up transferring. And to answer Ron's question, uh, it was like being dropped on another planet. Um, I, it, I'm, it's difficult to communicate the, the radical shift in thinking and, and how they approach everything. I mean, I could give a numbers of different specific stories or examples, but the two ways that I would say that the philosophy that he uh, uh, started, it, it isn't like he adopted or absorbed it from somebody, Um, He was a Marine and played football with the Marines, and fundamentally he came away from his Marine football career saying there's got to be a different way to do it. There's got to be a different way to play. There's got to be, you know, it was all blood and guts and kill and destroy and win and beat people. And he thought, I I just, he had a different sense of it. And so he started from scratch something. He had recently been converted himself through FCA camps as a college coach. And, uh, and he began then to to build a philosophy that uh, that was uh, so unique. It's not even like uh, a, a comparable option that was out there in my experience. And I felt that way at the time, and still feel that way after you know being forty years around the program. Uh, it is it is unbelievably unique, in, in particular how it treats the scoreboard and the concept of winning and how it treats or his attitude toward the opponents, the referees, and all the support personnel, or what we call the outer circle. Hmm. So so you're saying that there was a, a, a very different mindset from Frosty, um, <clears throat> largely due, I'm assuming, from you, Scotty, that it, it was because of his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that really influenced his, his biblical worldview uh, regarding football, was Wes Neal, you know, we, we've talked about Wes before, the handbook on athletic perfection, and we've had uh, great conversations with Wes here before as well. But was that an influence for Frosty and for you uh, there at Pacific Lutheran? That's correct. Yeah, it was uh, 
I, I can't even communicate even on that end. There's really two pillars for me in terms of how I approach sport. The first one actually was is generated by Wes Neal in the Handbook on Athletic Perfection when I was in high school. And I can't even tell you when or how I ran into the handbook as a high school kid. I was never mentored in it or discipled in it. Uh, no adult ever walked me through it. I don't even remember how I got my hands on it, possibly because my mother worked as a clerk in a Christian bookstore. She ran across it and brought it home. I don't even remember, and she's not alive to ask. Uh, but basically, for the first time, it clicked in my head that sport and faith was integrated, that they weren't compartmentalized, that the Holy Spirit wanted to be, not only was he in me as a Jesus follower, but he wanted to play through me. He wanted to impact my mind, my emotions, my will, and my body. And and through the study and reading and uh, just meditating on the concepts, I practically began to implement it as much as I could as a 16, 17, 18-year-old, and it completely transformed my thinking, in particular, my attitude toward, toward practice and play and, and games and outcomes. And the shift was, uh, it was supernatural, because that's what I think the material is. And then when I transferred up to PLU, unbeknownst to me, Frosty had already, and I don't even remember how, I don't remember ever asking him, he'd already had interactions with Wes. And so when I came there, I found that Frosty handed out a little booklet called Total Release, not the uh, not the larger manual, but the booklet called Total Release that West produced. He gave it to every player and handed out uh, all the years that I was there playing. And then as I was coaching, I don't know when he stopped doing that. Uh, Gordon might remember that more, but uh, Gordon Teeson. But uh, I found it fascinating that I'd been introduced to this concept, West Neal's concept, Integrate Sport and Faith, Handbook on Athletic Perfection. And then I come to a school that already the head guy had embraced it and was uh, giving it to his student-athletes to attempt to uh, process. And he didn't really, to my remembrance, walk us through it. He just gave it kind of as a tool, and those that could apply it did and those that uh, maybe needed some help. I don't remember. This is 40 years ago. But it, it really was the sovereignty of God and the sweetness of God that that the two people that have most inter, inter, um, influenced or impacted, really, my view of sport and faith are Frosty and West Neal, and they piggybacked perfectly in this window when I was germinating as a man of God. We'll be back with more from Scotty Kessler and the Kingdom Sports Podcast right after this message. Coaches. If you're serious about leading your athletes for God's glory, then check out Philippians, the Christ-Pursuing Coach by Ryan Limbaugh. This Bible study and workbook is a guided tour through the Apostle Paul's letter to the Philippians and will help coaches apply the Word of God to every detail of team leadership. To pick up your copy and watch supplemental videos from Coach Ron Brown, visit kingdomsports.online. We're back with more from the Kingdom Sports Podcast and our special guest, Scotty Kessler. What are some of the specific ways, maybe think of one way in particular, that um, this influence on your life from these two men changed the way uh, that you approached coaching? Maybe there was a specific thing that you did that maybe you wouldn't have done the same way had you not had those influences. Oh, there's no question. I, I don't even know who I would be if I hadn't run into those two influences because though they were... They're really cousins to me, West Neal's materials and Frosty's materials. They blended together supernaturally, though they were very distinct. I mean, West to me 
uh, integrated how the Holy Spirit in you can play through you like a hand in a glove. And Frosty had uh, not a dissimilar approach, but none of those kinds of articulations. It was really how he approached sport relationally, coaches relationally with players, players with coaches, players to players. Uh, the two things that come to my mind is the thing that Wes's stuff did for me. Uh, you asked for one, but I really got to give you two because there's there's two people that were significant in this regard. Is I then realized practice was worship. Now this was radical because I was a pre-traditional thinker. I want to play in the games. I don't really like practice. I want to win. I don't like games if I lose. If we win and I don't play well, I don't like it. We have to win and I have to play well, then it's fun. I mean, that's twisted thinking. It's uh, it's unbiblical thinking, but it's all I knew because that's kind of a world system way of thinking. And then I came into this thought through through the Holy Spirit, through the materials, that uh, that practice was worship. Play was worship. Games was worship. It didn't matter if it was a Friday, a Thursday, a Monday, the world championship, or a, a scrimmage. Uh, that God wanted to be glorified through sport, and he made access and gave us what, what I call now two-by-four to play according to the Word of God and by the power of God for the glory of God. This was all part of this process of my then becoming a completely different football player because obviously when you're now when you're attempting to honor and worship God as you practice with what I call a whole heart, a clear mind, a strong will, and great passion, you come closer to what Frosty would call closing the gap between your performance and your potential. Thus, you become a better player, and you have a, a deeper uh, uh, understanding of the big picture, which enhances the whole process. That was the West piece. The Frosty piece, I think, was uh, if I had to boil it down, what pops into my head is a phrase he used, they come, they mean the opponent, they come to beat us, we come to be us. And it was all about process. It was all about, uh, you know, not comparing yourself to others on your team or the opponent, but comparing yourself to your own best self. And this would this piggybacked with Wes's thinking about uh, being a, uh, a, a sacrifice, a living sacrifice, and allowing the Holy Spirit to break you so the aroma of Christ could come out through you as you handle all situations, good, bad, and ugly. And so Frosty's approach to the scoreboard and the opponent was such a radical shift. So Wes was more about, to me, uh, for me, the, the how to play and what, the what, why, and how of playing in the Holy Spirit and that partnership. And to Frosty was about the approach of not only practice, but the games and how you approach the opponent and how the scoreboard and outcomes and measurables were not on the table as far as a goal. You know, think about it. It's pretty radical to say winning is not our goal. Our goal is to glorify God. And, and that really is the truth. It isn't just a nice Christian saying. And so when you're in the culture like that, first of all, you've got to get renewed in your mind and retrained, particularly if you're unsaved or particularly if you, if you just want to win. You just want to win and you want to be a good player and you want to start. You know, so he, you were in a culture there that, that, uh, that molded you as the leadership and then, of course, key players uh, walk with you through the transformational thinking about how to approach sports. Well, you know, uh, Scotty, uh, you, you used a key word here, molded, and you're really talking about molding into us a f- into a full maturity in Christ. Yeah, and and that's what those two men did for you. They they yeah. together reminded us of what it says 
in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, where it says, go and therefore and make disciples of all the nations. And that discipling is a maturity process. It is, it is not rising to the occasion that somehow we'll get the right Christian perspective just by osmosis uh, or just by showing up or some type of a, a um, prosperity thing that God just flings down at us that, that instantly matures us. No, it's we, we fall back on our training. We don't rise to the occasion. And, and, and so the reality of it is, uh, Scotty, one thing that you're really known for, and you can't be around Scotty Kessler more than two, two to five minutes before you realize this man is all about discipleship. And, and those, Frosty Weatherling and, and of course, um, Wes Neal, of course, I know we're, we're, we're used by God to inspire that in you, but now you're inspiring many, and I, I've, I've listened to you talk through discipleship, but give us uh, some of your thoughts on discipleship. I think they're unique. Uh, I think they go beyond just kind of what we generally get in the church today. Well, you know, we all stand on the shoulders of others. The question is, whose shoulders we stand upon? That's a nice saying, but it is true. And uh, so in that regard, my life was transformed in that thinking of the implementation of Matthew 28, uh, uh, 18 through 20, through a gentleman named Robert Coleman, Dr. Robert Coleman. He wrote a benchmark book on discipleship called um, The Master Plan of Evangelism. And he was a colleague of Billy Graham, a close associate, and and actually headed up the first... uh, Billy Graham School of Evangelism and did things with him overseas and in the United States. Uh, he, he, he basically, as a seminary professor in his late 20s at Asbury uh, Seminary in Kentucky, was, uh, was made the director of the School of Evangelism. And, and he studied the scriptures because there wasn't a lot of written about it at the time. And he and the seminary students, through the process of him teaching that class, put together notes that it came into it came to be in a book called The Master Plan of Evangelism, which which many of the leading evangelical, uh, uh, whether pastors or leaders in the world, uh, not just in America, consider a benchmark book and uh, the most important book other than the Bible in their life in terms of practical application of ministry. And he basically did this. He looked at Jesus with the Twelve and read the Gospels and said, what was Jesus doing? Is there anything we can draw from how he worked with the 12 that is transferable to us or, frankly, to any age, any culture, any time, any people group. And he came up with eight principles. He's actually now morphed them into nine because one was rich enough that he made it two. But the book itself, if you find it, it has eight principles that, that translate across time, across age, across culture. And these principles can be applied today. And, uh, and, and that's what I was affected by when I ran into the book. And then again, in the goodness of God, I ended up working with a school that I was consulting in their football program where he was a seminary professor uh, at the uh, seminary associate with the college in Chicago called Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. And so then he began to mentor me in the concepts that I had been reading about and attempting to implement. So I got introduced to my own laboratories to experiment and practice discipleship according to the master plan. He calls it the Great Commission Lifestyle. That started for me in 1992 uh, back at Pacific Lutheran with football players. 
And through that, it turned into other sport players and then the girlfriends and friends. And then it became kind of a school-wide uh, little movement where we had 100 people once a week coming together to learn the Great Commission lifestyle and the marriage of evangelism and discipleship. And sport, frankly, was the perfect forum for that to be practically applied because you had relationships with mentors, coaches, head coaches, assistant coaches, players, trainers, managers, where people that had a vision for walking with God for a lifetime, finishing strong, reproducing and multiplying, that's kind of our mantra, that this could be worked out in the context of sport uh, uh, through the in-season and the off-season. And we just started rolling that out at, at each of the schools we were working with and consulting. And through that, we learned a ton just by doing and practicing. We'll be right back with more from Scotty Kessler after this quick message from Kingdom Sports. Athletes, are you feeling the pressure to succeed in today's performance-driven world? Then check out the Discipleship Edition of the Handbook on Athletic Perfection. Learn from sports ministry expert Wes Neal as he introduces biblical principles into athletics and shows you how to have the right attitude and behavior in competition. You'll learn how to change your thinking and what it means to do sports God's way. To pick up your copy and watch supplemental videos from Coach Ron Brown, visit kingdomsports.online. Well, you're listening to the Kingdom Sports Podcast, and we're back with more from Scotty Kessler. Now, Scotty, tell us about this new school that you've been developing. It's a school of sports ministry, very unique, something that we don't hear a lot about in education, but uh, how long have you been working on this, and where are things at now? Well, we, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm confident, you know, Ron and Gordon Teeson and I have talked about this in our, in our few times as that we've been together this fall quite a bit and, and some other times through other communications. You know, so our life was transformed through sport. And, and it, I knew Jesus before I became aware of what I now call, what we call competing biblically. But if we're talking about shaping and molding, as Ron alluded to, and, and the transformational stuff, Sport was the vehicle. I mean, sport used to use us, and now we use it to advance the kingdom. And, uh, you know, the school of sport ministry for us, because, again, it's my history. So for me, it was important to provide, really, the world an opportunity to taste and see the kind of things that we had been, uh, by the grace of God, given to us to enhance our relation with God and with man and to allow us to fulfill the great commission within the areas that we felt called to serve and had spent the majority of our life. And sport is one of the very few universal languages. Every country in the world has sport at some level. And so it's a language that you can talk around the world. And if by chance you have a philosophy of competition that is biblical that glorifies God, advances the king, and enhances sport and builds men and women, whether they follow Jesus or not, builds them up to become what we call great fathers, uh, husbands, fathers, friends, and workers, then that is a tremendous uh, concept to, to allow to be out there. And so we already had a school of discipleship, a Robert Coleman School of Discipleship here at Faith, the last two years at Faith is the name of the school, and uh, it was a natural transition then to say, we need to have a school of sport ministry. Now, the, the world tends to think of sport ministry that you pray before and after the game, or a chaplain comes in and gives a talk, 
you know, we're, we're not talking about something on the outside that you throw in. We're talking about coaching and playing a certain way. Again, according to the word of God, by the power of God, for the glory of God, where the Holy Spirit is doing every aspect of the whole process, uh, preseason, in season, off season, practice, games, off the field, in every way. Uh, the School of Sports Ministry wants to provide an opportunity for people to learn the what, why, and how of Jesus and advancing the kingdom in and through sport, through playing, coaching, observing. This is a fan issue, a family issue. Everybody, everybody has a chance to be enhanced and built up through this, through the sport, if it's approached biblically. And one clarification, the reason we came up with the term competing biblically was simply for this. In my experience, there's, uh, you know, you have, you have an unbelieving world and you have a believing world. And in the believing world, there's as many philosophies of what competition looks like, Christian competition, as there are people. But what, what I found, and this is frankly significantly through Frosty's impact and through, you know, being in his circle for the last 40 years, is, uh, 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 people are looking for a different way to think and play where it has a value that's transformative both in the sport experience but really life this is a lifestyle we talk about this is not something you do this is someone you become and so uh, we use the term competing biblically not that other philosophies are unbiblical but to us if it didn't pass muster in the scripture then it was off the table even if it was even if it was, quote, helpful to help you win. So the, the end never justifies the means. So for us to taunt opponents or to draw attention to ourselves or to want to beat people for the sake of just being better than them and comparing ourselves, this is all, in our mind, not the heart of the gospel and how the gospel would be played out. The actual Latin word for compete is to strive with, not to strive against. And so uh, the opponent to us is our partner. It's not our enemy. We're not trying to beat him. We try to practice what we call a double win, which is to bless him, to bless him in the midst of competition and how we approach the sport, how we approach the interrelationship, even in a game like football, very physical and, uh, and, and, and uh, difficult and unique. Uh, there is the capacity to Genesis 12, bless and be a blessing. Bless the opponent, bless the referees, bless the fans, bless everybody associated with the sport. And that's what we're trying to articulate and move people to consider a different way to coach and a different way to play. You, you know, Scotty, let me tell you something, man. I, I, that is, that's one of the most exciting things I think I've ever heard. Uh, if you're a Christian uh, parent, Christian coach, Christian athlete, Christian fan, if you're not excited about a school like that, uh, you, you've got to be, there's something really missing in your Christian life because that is the mantra of how we're to live. That is how a disciple should live. And if, if, if it, I loved what you said, Scotty, about if, if the issue in sports doesn't pass the scriptural test, it's off the table. But we have so many things that are still on the table in the body of Christ in the sports world, Scotty, because we're we're infatuated with the idolatry of it all, and we can't we can't. The Scripture tells us that uh, Romans eight thirteen tells us that by the the Spirit we should put to death the deeds of the flesh. 
There's so much to put to death, Scotty. When I hear about a school like this, uh, the sports ministry uh, school there at Faith Seminary, I, that is a, a, an astounding concept. Uh, it ought to be the think tank for, for biblical thinking in sports for the entire world. And we, ought to, we Christians ought to be supporting this, particularly with the number of athletes, coaches, um, youth sports, all this stuff that's going on in the Christian community. Man, we need specific discipleship, biblical training through the sports world, and this will do it. That's very kind, and that is our heart. From youth sport to the professional, if you're committed to Jesus Christ and you want him glorified and for him to increase and we to decrease, uh, there, there's parameters that are very clear in the scriptures of what that looks like practically. Well, we want to have you back on sometime as this uh, develops and hear more about how the school is going and, and hopefully give our listeners some inspiration as well. And thank you, Scotty, so much for taking time to share your heart and talk to us about discipleship and, and, uh, and really pour into what we're trying to do here with Kingdom Sports. Thanks again, Scotty, for being with us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. And thank you for listening at home, and we will be back next time with another edition of the Kingdom Sports Podcast. To learn more about doing sports God's way, visit our website at kingdomsports.online, where you'll find transformational resources for coaches, athletes, parents, pastors, and sports ministry leaders. Please join us next time for another edition of the Kingdom Sports Podcast.